Today, if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones with a Bible app on it, you can uh, turn to the book of Daniel. That's where we're going to be camping out for this morning. But let me pray as we start this morning's message. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can meet together here, that we can meet together online, that we can uh, hear from you this morning, God, and that's what my prayer is, that you would speak through me, that you would take all the hours and the words that I've written down on these pages, but that you would speak to our hearts and minds this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you that we can dive in and study some of the details there this morning. In your name, amen. So if you are taking notes, the title of my message this morning is In the Details. I thought, I thought we'd start this morning with a quiz. Uh, listen to these reviews, movie reviews for a moment, and see if you can figure out the movie that these critics are talking about. A brilliant technical achievement. A digital movie with an analog soul. This is the one. This is the film that our entire shared experience of pop culture has been building towards. Merely a great film or the greatest film ever in the history of cinema? Do you have a movie in mind? Jared and Adam, do you have a movie in mind? This is probably more up your alley than anybody else here or, or online. By now, you probably have guessed that the reviews are talking about uh, the 2014 blockbuster movie, The Lego Movie. Right? That's what you all were thinking. Some people may argue that this is a straight ripoff of the 1999 groundbreaking film, The Matrix, but we could dive into that rabbit hole in another discussion. The thing that really intrigues me about this movie is not the plot, it's not the voice actors, it's not the comedy, it's not the writing. It's actually the way that the film is built. The genius of this film is in the details. I mean, it's called the Lego movie, so you assume that you're going to see at least some Lego. But the director's vision was to take that idea even deeper. We wanted the water to be made out of Lego bricks, they say. We wanted the explosions and fire and smoke and all of the elements made out of animating Lego bricks. So if you froze or paused a single frame of the movie, it would be something that you could actually go and build yourself. Everything was made of bricks. Another producer said, the film itself is not a cheat. It's a real Lego block film. All of the things you see on the screen are 100% Lego bricks. The Lego movie might not be everybody's favorite movie. It might not be the movie you thought of. Uh, but the level of execution and dedication and detail to, has to be appreciated. The genius is in the way that the movie is built. That you can pause the movie at any moment and see the integrity and the intentionality of its creators in any single moment of the film. How would you react if someone was able to pause a moment in your life? Pause a moment in your life and look at the details. Look at the building blocks that make up that moment. What would they see? What would they find? What kind of details would they find within the layers of your thoughts and feelings and emotions and decisions and actions making up that particular moment? Would you be worried or nervous about what people would find if they dug into the details? 
Would you be excited or even intrigued at the thought that someone is able to dig down into a moment that deep? In the Lego movie, the details, the building blocks, uh, the directors of the movie all orchestrated those things. They were all orchestrated by the director. The animators, the actors, the rest of the team putting those things together did so based on a predefined vision. And in the case of this movie, uh, we you know, make sure that those details were found even in the smallest details. So here's a question for you today. Who is defining the details in your life? Who is giving direction and vision to the building blocks that you are using to build the moments of your life? And when moments and situations arise, what are the details that are defining your responses, defining your decisions, defining your thoughts and reactions? 2 Corinthians, not in Daniel, I know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. For those of us who have a relationship with God, it is now our privilege and calling to reflect the integrity and the intentionality of our Creator. And so this morning, as we go, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to camp out in the book of Daniel, but we're going to pause Daniel's story in, in three different places. And we're going to see what details emerge as we reflect uh, on Daniel's relationship with God in those situations. So first, we have to do a little bit of background. It is important for us to get the context of the book of Daniel to, to really understand about Daniel's actions and decisions. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, attacked and exported prisoners from Jerusalem starting in 605 B.C., the prophets saw this day coming. They had warned uh, the Israelite people that Babylon's army would come and destroy Jerusalem and the temple and take people captive to Babylon. This attack and exile was a fulfillment of these warnings. One commentary puts it this way. The prophets had warned the rulers uh, of Judea that their idolatry, immoral living, and injustice towards the poor and needy would lead to the nation's ruin. This is the interesting part. God would rather have his people living in shameful captivity in a pagan land than living like pagans in the holy land and disgracing his name. Again, the relationship that God had with his people comes to light in the detail of their lives. And for those like Daniel that truly believed and wanted to follow God, it was even more important in exile for them to hold on to the commandments and traditions that God had placed in their lives, even if that meant looking different than everyone around them. Daniel and the rest of their Israelites found themselves in uncharted territories, having to choose what details would become relevant and important in this new reality. And many of us might feel that exact same way. We have went through an unprecedented year where we've had to make all kinds of different decisions and, and pivot and, and deal with all kinds of situations that we've never had to deal with before. And even as, as the summer is here and the heat is here and things are starting to open up and we get back to some semblance of, of normal, who or what will we choose to reflect in the details of our lives? So the first point today 
The first detail is higher authority. The first place we're going to pause is right in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel has been brought to Babylon as a young man. Commentators believe he was about 17 or 18 years old, taken out of of everything he knows, his traditions, his family, everything um, that is, is regular in his life around him. He's brought something new. He is brought with a group of other young men, the Bible says, who were without physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. And the king not only exiled them from their home, but he had this whole three-year training program figured out, even down to what they would eat and drink each and every day. Daniel 1 8 to 15 says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other men your age? Would you endanger my life with the king? So Daniel said to the guard, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. Daniel would have realized that the food and wine being offered to him from the king and from those that were in charge of him were most likely part of pagan customs and rituals to the gods of Babylon. Out of all the exiled young men, the Bible only records that Daniel and his three friends were the only ones that were willing to stand up and ask for different food, ask for something different, do what they knew was right. Faced with a new location, with new surroundings, it may have seemed like an impossible situation. But as we pause, this one detail is so evident. That for Daniel, God's authority outweighed all other authority. God's authority outweighed all other authority. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In this part, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Think about yesterday, think about maybe the last week or last month. How often are you leaning on your own understanding? There are so many different things in our lives that try to show us the the right thing to do, the way we should live, what we should and shouldn't do, what we should buy, what we should listen to, what we should celebrate, what we should worship. But the details in our lives matter, the things that define us, the way, and they reflect what is most important to us. When Daniel and his friends chose God, chose that they would believe and do what was right in that moment, they chose to do what others may not understand. And God used their faithfulness to his authority to point others to himself. The detail of this moment pointed others to God. So who has authority in your life? If people paused your life, what would it reveal has authority in your life? 
If you pause those details, what would, what would people see? Who would they see that has authority in your life? The second detail is choosing to worship. We jump and pause in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar is obviously living the stereotypical king life. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be celebrated. He wants to be the most important person in his kingdom. Makes sense being king. And so he takes matters into his own hands in Daniel chapter 3. He has a gold statue made. Just a small one, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Then he rounds up all the, it's not, it's not good enough that he has this large statue now. He gathers up all the leaders, all the rulers, all the government officials, and commands them that every time they hear all of the bands and instruments playing music, that they should bow down and worship this statue. The punishment for not worshiping is to be burned in a furnace of blazing fire. Is this story sounding familiar? I mean, that's one way to entice an entire nation to worship and bow down to you. But as we pause on this moment, we see Daniel's friends this time choosing a different path. Daniel chapter 3, some astrologers took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever, forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They don't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers, that's an interesting point, he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. Our world is a constant buffet of who or what we should worship. It seems like every month there is a new cultural standard for what should be celebrated and what should be worshipped. And so often it is easy when we hear the music and the noise and the message to go along with the crowd and glorify the celebrity or the movement or the culturally accepted standard. Sometimes it seems so easy to follow what our culture says that it barely feels like worship at all. And, and it seems like our culture is not swayed by the fact that, that the, what the world celebrates, what the world worships and holds in high regard seems to change so frequently. One day it's in, one day it's out. And because, of these things are, because these things are so widely accepted, it becomes even more interesting when someone stands up to the opposing opinion or voice. Yet there is a God who loves and cares for these people, cares for them in a way that's consistent and present and wants to be a never-changing presence in their lives if they would only turn to him. And Daniel 3, verses 24 and 25 says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. They replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son 
of the gods. And this time as we pause the story and we look for the detail so evident in Daniel's friend's decision, it's this, worshiping God at all cost. Worshiping God at all cost. Psalm 96 verses 4 to 7 say this, Great is the Lord, he is the most, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Choosing to worship God in, the, in that moment with the prospect of being thrown in a fiery furnace that, have, that should have forced all of those around them to question why. Why would these three men, that of everybody bowing down, choose with the punishment that was, that was put before them to do the opposite of what was being asked? For these men, the motivation and the commitment to worship God over anything else was built into the details of who and what they were. No question, no hesitation. If people paused our lives, what would it reveal that we worship? What would it reveal that we worship? The third and final detail is our gut reactions. Our last stop is in Daniel chapter 6, looking at a very famous story, but we're going to look at a very different detail than we usually focus on. Daniel at this point has served for at least four kings or high-ranking officials. I can only imagine the stories of how God had sustained and worked in him and his friends' lives um, had made its way to those around them. People would have known those stories. The Bible says in many instances that Daniel was very clear about who and what he served, what he held in such high regard in his life. But to hold the same type of position for so long over four kings and and high officials means that Daniel would have been one of these people that was really good at his job. And he would have kept that job with them knowing that his allegiance was ultimately to God, but he was so good at his job that they had to keep him on. Something about this didn't sit well with those around him. Following your own path often brings opposition from those around you. And countless times in the book of Daniel, we see that people use the king's thirst for power against him and try to create situations that Daniel can be caught up and his friends can be caught up in. In Daniel chapter 6, King Darius is now in power and setting up a system to manage his realm. He appoints 120 satraps, the Bible says, or governors over the kingdom, and over them he appoints three administrators of which Daniel is one of them. Daniel chapter 6 says this, Daniel distinguished himself above the other administrators. We shouldn't be surprised about that. And satraps, because he had an extraordinary spirit So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his own God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. 
All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that, as the law of the the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. When Daniel learned that that the document had been signed, here's the thing, he went into his house, the windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. If we pause this moment in verse 10, the thing that sticks out to me is Daniel's gut reaction. This is a perfect example of how Daniel is wired. And what is revealed is this detail. When times got tougher, Daniel's instinct to go to God was stronger. I feel like there are times in our lives where telling someone not to do something actually forces them uh, to do the thing you don't want them to do. To do. Don't look down. D- do not enter. Don't eat that. Don't touch that. Whatever you do, don't search that on the internet. Don't watch that video. And ultimately, people end up doing exactly what you've told them not to do. But how often does that happen spiritually in our relationship with God? The warnings or instructions aren't worded the same way. No one's saying don't, don't, don't. But our lives and the changes in culture, the way our world has been over the past year, all fight and pull our attention in a hundred different directions. And yet when word came to Daniel, when word came to Daniel that he, for 30 days, was not supposed to worship or pray to God, his first reaction was not to be like, okay, that's fine. His first reaction was to run to God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If people paused our lives? What would it reveal about our gut reactions? What do our gut reactions say about who we worship? What do our gut reactions say about who has authority in our life? So we're just going to take a few minutes now to define the details. If we look at Daniel's life, the details that are revealed about his relationship with God are built on his faith, his belief, and his experience of God. Those were the things that carried him through those moments, decisions, and situations in his life. To define the the details in our own lives is to know God and know the details of his word. And we have been given such a greater opportunity than Daniel. I feel we watch him dealing with these situations and we see his faithfulness, his boldness, his courage in the face of adversity. And yet, we have essentially been blessed, this is going to be an old school video game term, we have essentially been blessed with cheat codes when it comes to our Christian lives. Okay, here's an example. Do you know that there is a list of codes that you can use on Netflix? Anybody know that? There's a list of codes that you can, I picked 
I picked some Sunday morning appropriate ones. Uh, Netflix is all about ad- algorithms and suggestions. If you watch something, if you watch a British crime drama, that's, you know, that's kind of my jam, uh, then it will suggest more British crime dramas. If you watch uh, kids' videos or movies, then it will suggest kids' movies. But there's actually way more that you can watch on Netflix, and there's a long list of these codes that you can use. I've heard about these codes for years. I've seen videos and posts of people reminding uh, me that there's, these codes exist. Melody and I, even on multiple occasions during the pandemic, have reminded each other that these codes exist and we should use them to try to find uh, some new things to watch. And yet, up until a week ago, I had never used these once. I could have had a better experience. I could have had a broader experience. I could have had a more detailed experience. Instead, I let Netflix suggest some shows or movies and believe uh, those were my only options. Even though I knew there was a better way, even though I knew there was a way to better my experience, I ended up choosing not to use what was given to me and use the full experience, I actually missed out. God has created us to live a life beyond the suggested settings or options. In many ways, we have been given the cheat codes to the system. We have actually access to more than Daniel had. And we look at his example that he set, and we are able to learn from it. But here's a few details that we have access to that weren't necessarily available to Daniel in the moment. The first is we have the entirety of God's word available to us. We have it available to us in uh, multiple languages and multiple translations. We, we can own it and have it in our house and read it and study it and understand it. Last night I talked to the grads and I used this verse, Psalm 119.105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word is incredible. It can be a perfectly specific roadmap for each of our individual lives. God's word can be a perfectly specific roadmap for each of our individual lives. The Bible is not like Netflix codes. No one is surprised when you show them a Bible or you talk to them about uh, God's word that we preach from every Sunday. People know about the Bible But so often we seem to treat it in the same way. We settle for the few verses that we remember, we learned when we were little, or or we rely on the, the famous stories that we can recount, or we are content with knowing that the Bible is there on the off chance that we might need it. We need to to help we need to we need to use what we have been given in the entirety of God's word. The second thing that we have is we have the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Jesus says in John 14, verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. We have been given the Holy Spirit who guides and directs, informs and reminds us, comforts us, and wants what is best for us. And we look at Daniel's story and we think, man, Daniel set such a great example of living a life in the midst of adversity. And yet these these two things were not available to him. He did not have the entirety of God's word. And Jesus had not yet sent 
the Holy Spirit. And so how often are we praying or asking or even aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives? The last thing is we have Jesus who died on the cross for you and I. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. He died for everyone so that we would receive new life. That we who receive new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus has given us a gift of being able to live life in freedom, knowing that he has mended our relationship with God and given us new life. And Jesus cares about the details. He cares about every aspect of your life, every opportunity that I get with the students that come to our youth ministry. I love to remind them that God wants to walk with us in the details. He, wants, he cares about uh, the job that you're looking to get. He cares about uh, your trip to the grocery store. He cares about your neighbors. He cares about uh, your family. He cares about your vacation. He cares about how you're going to pay the bills. He cares about all of these things because, because Jesus, because nothing is too boring for Jesus. No detail is too small. There is nothing that he doesn't want to be a part of. Because of Jesus, the details of our lives are actually an act of worship instead of an obligation. It's not a law or a command that must be fulfilled. It's a law and command that we get to fulfill because of our relationship with Jesus. Because of Jesus, the details in our lives are an act of worship now instead of an obligation. So this week, as you go about your days, as you get into the summer rhythm, as you deal with the heat and the sweat, think about the details and the building blocks that make up your day. Think about Lego. Think about the things that you're building your life with. Think about if someone paused a moment in your week, what they would see. And think about who or what those details are pointing to. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Daniel's life. I thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you that we have your word to study, to read, to be reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness, God. And God, I thank you that we have your word. God, I thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit to rely on. And God, I thank you for your son, who died on the cross, that we could have a relationship with you. God, I pray as we go into this summer, as we find new rhythms, that you would be in the details, that we would allow you and ask you to be a part of those details. And God, I thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. In your name, amen.